I get to uh, finish up the White Christmas series, um, and I hope you guys have been enjoying it. Actually, that's kind of a weird thing to say, okay? I'm enjoying it because we've been talking about forgiveness and bitterness and, and making sure we get rid of the bitterness, and we want a white Christmas. Man, who wants a white Christmas? And I'm not talking about just snow, but a white Christmas, a good Christmas with people you love, and maybe you reconcile with people, and I hope everyone here wants a white Christmas. Um, but today, we're going to finish it up by saying... Um, you know, we, we've talked about forgiving others. We're forgiving others that have hurt us, that have offended us, and we've been learning how to do that And because, of, because Jesus Christ first forgave, for, forgave us. Amen? And he has. Um, but here's what we're going to be talking about today. It's about forgiving that one person we forget about, yourself. And we're going to talk about that today. But I have one question to ask you guys, and I hope, I think everyone here probably has an answer to that. But has anybody here... Done anything stupid? Some people are real proud of that. Yep. <laughs> I sh- Ooh, I've been real dumb, right? And, you know, I, I know your spouses are probably, yep, they're real dumb. They've done some dumb things. And, uh, and so, you know, I don't know if you're like me. I, I replay the tape. Whether it was like 30 years ago or wh- whether it was yesterday, I just like, oh, that was so dumb. Anybody replay the tape? You're like, oh my gosh, that was, I'm so stupid. I'm an idiot. Da, da, da. Uh, like Tommy Boy. Anybody love Tommy Boy? I'm sorry. This is why I suck as a salesman. No, okay. okay. Um, it, it's just one of those things you just, oh, I'm so dumb. And uh, here's a, a dumb thing that I have to confess with you. It was actually a couple Christmases ago. Me, I took my whole family to the mall to go uh, shopping at Winter Mall. And we got all set, got everybody out of the car. And I, without even knowing, left my car keys in the car door, just in the keyhole. You know, and I walked away. We went shopping for two hours, had lunch, had a wonderful time. <laughs> you know, and I, the whole time I didn't even know I didn't have my keys. I walked back to the car, and thank God my car was still there. Okay? But then I reached for where my keys were, and I, anybody had this? Keys! That moment where you just panic and you're just like, I don't have my keys. I don't know where they are. Can I tell you right now, there are still good people in this world because, you know what? There was a couple that saw my keys in the car door, grabbed it, and waited for us to come back. How's that? Right? They could have took off like free car. Yay! No, there's some good people. You know, and they, they waited for us. And we was like, oh, are these yours? And well, uh, embarrassed. I was like, yeah, so shame. I was like, yeah, those are mine. Sorry. Hi. You know, and I replay that. I was like, I'm so dumb. And uh, for a lot of us, on a serious note, is we replay our mistakes in our past. We replay the sin that we made. And, 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 and seriously, some of you guys are probably still suffering the consequences of some of the dumb things that you did in the past, some of the dumb things that I have done in the past. I'm suffering consequences. And today's sermon is called The Ghost of Christmas Past. It's kind of a, uh, you know, the, the, the Christmas Carol by, by Dickens. And it's when Ebenezer Scrooge, Scrooge was haunted by the ghost of Christmas past, and he took him to the past and gave him a glimpse. And that was a good story because it, he learned a lesson where a lot of us were haunted by our past because we can't forgive ourselves. And in this forgiveness series about forgiving others, I think a majority of us, the one person that we don't forgive is ourselves, and we, we beat ourselves up. And, and I want to talk to you guys about how to get past your past, because I want to read the verse that we've been reading all this series in Isaiah 118. 
and this is where we get the White Christmas title for this uh, series, is it says, Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. Isn't that amazing that that's what our Lord Jesus does? He cleanses us. He makes us. He makes our dirty rags as white as wool. He takes it all away. That's what this white Christmas is all about. But you know what I love about this verse? It's like, it's like God saying, come now. Come on now. Anybody say that? Come on now. It's kind of one of these like, let's settle this. Let, let's, let's get rid of this stuff, this bitterness, this anger. These people have offended you, hurt you. Let's, get, let's settle this. Settle it with yourself. And I love it. Like, can't, I, want, I want to encourage you right now, whatever you're going through, let's settle this. Forgive yourself. Move on. Amen? Let's do this. And so um, before we talk about how to get past your past, and I, have, I think some, I have some really good stuff here, I want to talk about how we normally, in our flesh, how we normally deal with our past and uh, without God. And number one is we bury it. If you're taking notes, we bury it. We hide it. We conceal it. We deny it. We cover it up. And we don't want anyone to know. Anybody really good at the church face? You guys are all liars because everyone's good at the church face, right? I know how it is. When you come before, you get into a fight with your wife. The kids are going crazy, right? I mean, it's traffic. You're all nuts. And you come to church all mad and grumpy. And you're just like, hey, brother. Praise the Lord. God is good all the time. I already answered that one. All the time, God is good. You know, and we know how to cover it up. We know how to put the makeup on. We know how to put the mask on. But underneath, we're hurting. Underneath, we bury it and we cover it up, and we don't want anyone to know. And we, the, the thing is, is we don't deal with it. It's not dealt with. And so uh, with our past, our mistakes, our sin was still affecting us. And when we bury it, it still becomes our present. It still is our present for a lot of the ways we deal with it. And in Proverbs 21, uh, 28, 13, it says this, People who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they will receive mercy. And on first glance, this, this scripture seems kind of mean, like, God, like, what? if I conceal my sins, you're not going to let me prosper? It's not God's not letting you prosper. It's your sin that's keeping you from prospering. It's a natural consequence of covering it up. Amen? Right? It's a natural consequence. Like, you're not going to prosper because you're just, you're just it's, it's not real. It's not, and, you, and you're just hiding it and you're covering it up. And uh, I, want, I just want to say this. Hidden things don't heal. Hidden things don't heal, and, and maybe you know the, the saying, time heals. Well, I'm not sure if time heals, because when we cover it up and hide things and shove it in the dark, shadowy places, it's allowed to fester. It's allowed to stay there. It's all allowed to do whatever it wants to do in the shadows, and you're allowing the enemy to get a foothold on that as well. And, you know, we don't have a, a white snow or, uh, here in Hawaii, but you know what we have in Hawaii? Big, huge cockroaches. We do. All of us do. And when the lights turn out, and if we have food left out, guess what? They're partying. We have no idea what they're doing. They're just like, what's up? Yeah, I'm in the house. I'm in the club, you know. And the, the roaches are taking over, and, they're, and it's in the dark. But what happens when you turn on the light, right? They just scatter. And I believe that for a lot of the things that were high, it's still in the shadows. It's still in the darkness. But here's the answer. Turn on the light. And what is the light? The light of Jesus Christ. The light, if you bring what's in the darkness and hidden and covered up and you bring it to the light, 
I am a firm believer in this. God will heal that. God will forgive that. And we're going to talk about that later. The other way we deal with our past by ourselves is we beat ourselves up. We beat ourselves up. On the first one, when we bury it, there's a local term. Oh, so shame. I don't want anyone to know. Right? The second one, we beat ourselves up. We say this, so stupid. And we do this thing. We hit ourselves in the head. I'm so dumb. We replay the tape like I said before. And here's a comforting thing. There's someone in the Bible that beat themselves up too, and they wrote about it. And this person is, the comforting part about it, it was David. King David, the greatest king of Israel, the guy who killed Goliath, who was a hero of the faith, and he loved God. He was a man after God's own heart. But guess what? He messed up too. He sinned, and he wrote about it. He's, he was very poetic. He wrote all these psalms, and he's not, he's not as, uh, we're not as poetic as him, but I would say this. When I read this, you're going to relate to it because a lot of us have beaten ourselves up so bad about our mistakes that we feel like David feels in this verse. In Psalm 38, verse 3, it says this, My bones are brittle as dry sticks because of my sin. I'm swamped by my bad behavior, collapsed under gunny sacks of guilt. The cuts in my flesh stink and grow maggots because I've lived so badly. And now I'm flat on my face feeling sorry for myself. Morning to night, all my insides are on fire. My body is erect. I'm on my last legs. I've had it. My life is a vomit of groans. Oh, that's pretty heavy, huh? That's, I mean, that's, it's all poetic, and it's like, but it's like, he's miserable. But the reality is, is a lot of us have felt this way, that our, we've beaten ourselves up in our own, the privacy of our own homes, and we have, our life is a vomit of groans. Oh, man. Oh, why did I do that? And we beat ourselves up. And I just want to say one thing before. One clear statement from the the word of God. Jesus, there there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation. No one is condemning you. Jesus is not condemning you. When you beat yourself, you know who's condemning you? Yourself. Yourself. And I think the result of that, the result of of all uh, uh, doing that is, is you feel unworthy. You dig yourself in a hole and you feel helpless. You feel insecure. You, don't, you isolate yourself. There are so many bad consequences from just condemning yourself. And, man, God wants you free of that, totally free of that. Uh, number three, how do we deal with our past by ourselves is we blame others. So the second one, uh, when we beat ourselves up, is we kind of own up to our mistakes, but then we take it too far where we're just condemning ourselves. This, this third one, when we blame others, we take no responsibility whatsoever. We, we say, so not my fault. So not my, I, 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 didn't, I didn't do this. I didn't, I'm not going to take any responsibility for that. And, you know, as a, as a human race, we've been doing this from the very beginning because who's the first to blame? It was Adam and Eve, right? What happened in the garden when they ate uh, of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil? It was the man, Adam. What did he do? God's all, what happened? What's going on? Something changed. He's like, the woman. The woman made me do it, you know, and uh, um, I know all you wives are out there. Yep, nothing has changed since then. Yep, it's exactly the same. And then what did the woman, what, what did the woman do? In Genesis 3.13, it says this, then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me. She replied, that's why I ate it. And so here, from the beginning, from the, from the creation of man, 
right? Man blamed the woman, and the woman blamed the serpent. And they took no responsibility whatsoever. And you know what the problem with not taking any responsibility whatsoever? We have a false sense of self. That false sense of self is, is we, ha- we believe the twisted story, the perverted story, that word pervert, you know, we think of in sexual terms, but the word pervert just means a twist of the truth, a perversion of direction. It's, it's, not, it's a little bit of truth that's going way in, in this direction that's not truth anymore. And we start believing that twisted side of the story, which means we believe a twisted, uh, 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 we believe a twisted version of ourselves. We blame others. I believe blaming others is... It's kind of the analogy, right? Ever heard the analogy painting yourself in a corner? It's the same thing when you're painting a floor and every every brushstroke is blame. I'm blaming someone else. It's blaming my mom, my parents, or blaming my friends, or blaming all this. And and literally all we do is just we paint ourselves in a corner. And I I believe this, if we're living this way, it bites us in the butt. And and now we're just exposed because now there's no one to blame except ourselves but we've already blamed everybody else and burned all the bridges. And that's how we normally deal with your past. And I I deal with my past. And now that you're utterly depressed because I've said all this to you, you're like, thanks a lot, Tom. I have some hope. It's called Jesus Christ. And that's why you're here. And I want to say one statement and write this down. is It's your faith that fuels forgiveness. If you want to get past your past, I'm going to tell you right now, it takes faith. What I mean by faith, it takes trusting in God completely, going, I'm going to do it your way and not my way. I've been, I've been beating myself up. I've been blaming others, right? I've been doing it wrong. I've been burying it. I've been doing it my way, my agenda, what I'm naturally tending to do. Now it's, now it's going, I'm going to leave it in your hands, God. And it takes faith. And that faith is going to fuel forgiveness for others. Because, man, what, one thing I've learned in this series, I'm going to forgive others, but sometimes I don't feel like it, and that takes faith. Amen? But to forgive yourself, that faith should feel forgiveness for yourself. And so how do, you, how do we get past our past? How do we get rid of the ghosts of Christmas past that we're not replaying the tape anymore or we're not making the past our present anymore? Let's, 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 let's talk about that. Number one is... Believe you're forgiven. Believe you're forgiven. Now, I play this scenario in my head because I've sat in your seat before and I've heard statements like this, and, I, and I'll be like, Tom, I got, I've, been, I've been going to church for 20 years. I know I'm forgiven. I've heard the sermons. I know this. I know the Bible. I know the message, right? And you know what the reality is, though? A lot of us, many of us, we don't believe because of this. We're still earning forgiveness from God. We're still trying to work our way for God's favor. We're just, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to read the Bible. I'm going to go to Connect Group. I'm going to, do, I'm going to help out the giving hope. God, I'm, I'm going to do this, God. And we're still going, I'm paying the penance for my past. That's earning forgiveness. And I have two scriptures I want to give you that I hope that you write these scriptures down, you memorize these scriptures, that you know that this is the truth. This is the absolute truth about forgiveness. You have to understand forgiveness. And if you're saying, oh, yeah, I believe forgiveness, I hope you really, really do after I say these scriptures. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ, you know what belongs to Christ is? Is I'm his and he is mine. 
I've given my life over to him. He's my Lord and my Savior. So anyone who belongs to Jesus Christ, guess what happens? You become a new person. Come oh on, that is good stuff right there. You are brand new. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Do you believe that? Do you celebrate that? You know why? Four times a year, one of my favorite times of, of in this church, four times a year, we do the Ohana Beach Day. And who goes to those things, right? And you know why I go to that? Because I, for one reason, free hot dogs. The second reason is, more importantly, people are getting baptized. One of the most beautiful acts to witness is just to see someone baptized. I have the privilege of actually baptizing people. And, and the whole symbolic act of go, people going underwater and coming up is going into the water and people putting their old self to death. The ocean is a symbol of the grave. It's gone. And when you come up, it's rising with Jesus Christ, a new person, whole. That's why it's like, you know, you see people, they come up, they're like, and they're just, they know the symbolic act of that. And I believe something spiritual does happen in that. That you are brand new if you belong to Jesus Christ. Here's the second scripture that you have to know, Ephesians 2.8. It says this, God saved you by his grace. You know what grace is? Undeserved favor. You don't deserve it at all. God saved you by his grace when you believe it. You can't take credit for this. You didn't earn it. It is not. It, it is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward. You didn't earn anything. You didn't work for it. It's not a reward for the good things we have done. So, so none of us can boast about it. Do you guys know that? That you have the undeserved favor. You can't earn forgiveness. You can only receive it. You know the most work you can do for God's grace and God's forgiveness in your life is this. Have an open hand to receive the gift of God freely. You don't have to do anything. That's why it's called amazing grace, by the way. It's not just normal grace. It's amazing grace. And I want to tell you right now, because of that, you are already forgiven. Here's an odd statement that is so true. Your past sins are forgiven. Your present sins are forgiven. And guess what? Your future sins are forgiven. Isn't that weird? I, I always thought, man, how, how, I don't understand that. But I, I look at it this way. I love this church because we have a, we have a heart for the lost. And uh, if you look at your sermon notes every single week, we have a number of who, how many people dedicated their lives to Jesus Christ last week. You know that every week this year has been double digits? Which means we, some weeks we see 14, some, some weeks we see 26, some weeks we see 44. You know, some weeks we see so many people coming to Jesus. Let's give the Lord a hand for that, that, the, that God is using us. But here's the thing. After, after I preach, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offer uh, uh, anybody to pray a salvation prayer. At the 11, people are going to get saved. Which means there's still people going to get saved, I really believe, today. And at 11 o'clock, which means Monday morning, Jesus Christ is not going, oh, man, Anchor Church, they always do such a great job. i got to go back down on earth and die for them again on the cross. No. How many times did Jesus have to die? Once. Which means the people that are going to get saved at this service today and at 11 o'clock, they're already forgiven. Come on. Hallelujah. Amen. Right? And if they're forgiven, you're forgiven, which means you have to believe that. You have to absolutely have to believe that. 
We didn't, we didn't, um, we didn't earn it. We have to receive it. And so um, the second thing is um, how to get past your past is you got to squash the lies with truth. You have to squash the lies with truth. Last week, Pastor Carl talked about know your enemy. Who is our enemy? Satan. And in, in John 10.10, 10, he clearly states that the, the enemy wants to kill, kill, steal, and destroy your life. He wants to take your purpose away. He wants to take your, your mission away. He wants to take your gifting. And every, every part of the, the thing that can influence others, he wants to steal that from you. And what is his main weapon? His main weapon for your life, against your life, is lies. In John 8, he says this. Jesus is saying this about, about Satan himself. He says, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his, with his character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. The father of lies, the enemy, Satan, is using lies to take you out. That's his main weapon because the, the main battle is, is in between in our brain. And, um, you know, I, t- I talked about, um, you know, doing the right thing as a Christian, right? We all know what the, the right thing as a Christian is, right? Read your Bible, go to church, right? Put on the church face, go to connect group. But you know why we need to do those things? Why we need to hear the word of God? Why do we need to read the word of God? Why do we need to hang out with good brothers and sisters in church? You know why? It's not a to-do list to go, I'm earning the favor of God. It's because when we do that, we're constantly fed and we constantly know the truth about God and how God sees us. We need to know that. You know why? Because the ghost of Christmas past is going to come back. Because the father of lies is out to get you. And he will constantly try to get you. So we need to stand in the truth. Paul writes in Ephesians, he says this in the famous Ephesians 6 about the armor of God. He says, stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. And I always thought about that because I always kind of disagreed with Paul. I said, Paul, is it, were you really inspired? Why does it have to be the belt of truth? Shouldn't it be the helmet of truth? Not the helmet of salvation, because I feel like, like I said, the battle is in my brain. Like, I want the helmet to guide me, to, to guard me from all the lies. But then, just recently, I've been, I'm going to confess this to you, I've been watching a lot of MMA, mixed martial arts. I watched the, uh, <laughs> I see a lot of guys going, okay, now I'm listening. What, what do you, uh, I, saw the, uh, I saw that movie, The Fighter, where the guy was really good at the body shots. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Boom, he would punch a guy in the kidney and be like, oh, I'm out, okay. You know, and I've been, so I got on this kick of like, ooh, guys who got body shots. Like, and so I'm, I'm seeing all these guys who just have strong body shots, and they just take people out, and they just, they just punch them in the gut, and they're out. I believe the enemy wants to punch you in the gut and take you out. And so now I'm going, oh, the belt of truth, the body armor of righteousness. Ooh, yeah. I don't want, I want to nullify the body shots of the enemy. Amen? With the truth. What is the truth? The truth is God loves me. The truth is God is forgiving me. Believe the truth. The truth is I'm precious to God. I'm a child of God. That is the absolute truth. And we have to squash it with the truth. That's the only way. And um, there was one time I have this story when I was punched in the gut, like just punched in the gut. Um, I I used to be the junior high pastor. And I was dedicated, man. I, w- I didn't want just church kids. I wanted street kids. I want people with, I wanted kids with problems. I want kids that would swear, you know, when they come to church. Oh, you know, I, I'm not going to swear. But, uh, 
And so in those times, we had some nuts kids. I mean, we had some of them are having kids now and they're growing up, but man, it was nuts back then. And I remember on a Friday night, one of our, our biggest services with junior hires, it was going crazy, but I remember I had to discipline some of the kids. And, you know, to this day, I don't know if I did it right or if I overdid it. Was I too mean? I'm not sure what happened, but I had to discipline some kids. Sunday morning, I did my services here. I went down. I parked on the bottom lot. I walked down to my car on a Sunday morning, and I noticed, oh, well, my car doesn't look. I had a nice car back then with nice rims. I was rolling. Yeah. Now I have to get a car, but that's okay. Um, but I went down there. And someone scratched up my car. Like it on my hood, like in big letters, it said blank U exclamation point. And the blank started with an F, so you do the math, what it said, okay? And then on the side, it had waves. It's like they scratched waves on the side of my car. So they knew I surfed. So it's like, ooh, take that, Tom, you know, whatever it is. And there's like other colorful things. And it was, I mean, I had to drive around with that thing. I remember going on base, and I'm like, with my hood that said, blank you. I'm like, hi, how you doing, you know? And it was just embarrassing, and it was a punch to the gut. And I, I, I was like, okay, God, help me with this. You know what was a true test, What the litmus test of where my heart was and the lies I was believing was on a Friday night. The next Friday night, I knew I had to face my junior hires. I knew I had to face possibly the kids that scratched my car up because I had an idea who it was. And I was paralyzed in my room. I wanted to quit. I told myself, I'm like, I didn't do it right. I didn't love them enough. I'm not worthy to be the junior high pastor. I can't, I can't do this. I, I, couldn't, I, couldn't, I can't face them. I'm not even sure if I can forgive these kids. I don't even know what's, what's going on. Why, why is there so much hate towards me? And I just didn't, I couldn't get out of my room. And I just remember sitting in, the, in my room going, Holy Spirit, you need to help me. You need to get me out of this room. And I remember just the, incredible peace of the Lord that came over me. You know that peace that surpasses understanding? I hope you've ever, I hope you've experienced that before because I experienced it in that moment, the peace that surpasses all understanding. And I got calm. And Jesus flooded me with a whole bunch of truth. And you know what the truth was? <laughs> Funny to say, Jesus was like, Tom, you asked for this. I was like, what? I didn't ask for the, well, no, you asked for the street kids. You asked for the, the tough kids. These are the very kids why I put you in the junior high pastorship because I want you to reach those kids. And you know what? I forgave you, and you can forgive those kids because they need Jesus. And it was that that got me out of that room that day. And I got to stand in front of my junior hires with a smile. Mom, guess what? Someone scratched, scratched my car up with some colorful things. Maybe you're in this room. And I, I remember standing in front of 40 kids saying, you know, whoever you are, I forgive you. And I could only do that. Why? Because I had the belt of truth and the breastplate of righteousness. I knew who I was in God, and I knew I'm right with God, and no one could take that away. Amen? Amen. Third thing we, we got to do to get past our past is to let God turn it around for good. To let God turn our past, our mistakes, the thing we, we cringe over, let him redeem it for his glory. The thing is, we're not going to forget. I forget the dumb things that I've done back in the 80s. But you know what? I know one thing. I, I, God has redeemed it for me, for his glory, that I can tell stupid stories about it and go, you know what? God's proof in my life works. And I want to remind you who wrote Romans 8.28. 
Because we all know this verse. We've used this verse. God uses all, you know, will turn all things into good. You know who wrote this? Paul. Paul was the worst of the worst sinners. He said it himself. He called himself that. Why? Because he was a murderer. He was a murderer of Christians before he became a Christian. He met Jesus. Life, life, uh, God transformed his life and turned everything and everything about his past into good. That's the business that our God is in, right? The transformation business, amen? That he can turn one of the worst sinners into the best evangelists, the best people. And I'm going to remind you that I think Paul has written some of the most amazing verses about grace. Go, go study about Paul. Because I believe he knew he was the worst of the worst, and God redeemed, turned it around for good. And he can turn your past around for good, right? And right, we're, if we're burying our sins, let him bring it to the light and let Jesus clean it up and heal you and forgive you. If we're beating ourselves up, there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. And know the truth and know who you are. If you're blaming others, take some responsibility, own up to it, confess it to God, and move on in his forgiveness. Amen? And he can turn, if you do that and actually allow him, because I think the main word in this point, right? Let God turn it around for good. You know what the main word in this is? Let. Allow. Because the honest truth is, a lot of us are stubborn. Raise your hand if you're stubborn. You're not going to raise your hand because you're stubborn. You're like, nope. I'm not going to listen to what you have to say. I'm stubborn, right? And I want to do it my way. No, I want to cover it up. I want to keep it concealed, right? I want to, I, I like the lies. I like blaming others. That's the way I want to live, God. But the main word here is let allow God to turn it around. You know why? Because God's way can be uncomfortable revealing things. Confessing stuff to others, right? Letting him deal with the hurts and the pains, literally coming face to face with it. That's uncomfortable, and we don't want to do that, but God's going, I have so much better for you. I can heal you up. I can do stuff in your life. I can make it better. I can turn it around for good, and I'm going to tell you right now, the more you get into the habit of letting God turn things around in your life, the easier it is going to happen the next time. Because you're going to build up these, all these stories of when, okay, God, I don't, I don't agree with it, but I'm going to let you work. And I'm going to tell you, I've been a Christian for 40 years, and God has always proven himself right. Every single time, he's proven that his way is always better. And uh, he's proven me wrong. Isn't that the awesome thing about our God? Right? He's like, he's, my way is better, Tom. And so every time I do it, I just, I can trust him for my future every single time. There's this good verse that I, I love in, um, it's, it's a story actually, in Samuel, 1 Samuel. Uh, the Israelites uh, were, were going against, they're fighting against their enemies, and uh, they were losing, and they, they just wanted to get back to the Lord and do things right and do it his way. And in this particular battle, God just said, just sent the Philistines in confusion, and they won the battle. And they couldn't give any credit to themselves. They said, oh, that was all God. And so Samuel the prophet, in 1 Samuel 7, 12, it says this. Here's Samuel the main prophet. Samuel then took a large stone and placed it between the towns of Mezpah and Jeshanah. 
he named it Ebenezer. Is that odd? Because that's, this is where Ebenezer, Ebenezer Scrooge from the Christmas Carol, this is where Ebenezer in the Bible is. He says, he named it Ebenezer, which means the stone of help. For he said, up to this point, the Lord has helped us. So just picture this, right? God did an amazing miracle. So Sam was like, man, we got to praise the Lord. Let's put a monument to remind us. So he raises this, this stone called the Ebenezer. He says, every time you look at it, you know what you're going to think? God has helped me up to this point. Which means I want to encourage you to raise your Ebenezer to go, you know what? Man, God has helped me up to this point. I've been a Christian for 40 years. I'm like, man, God, you have proven yourself right. And then when I look at my past, he has redeemed it. He has taken my mistakes, and and he's using it for his glory. He's using my past and using it for me to help others. Are you guys hearing me? And now I don't look at my mistakes anymore. You know what I see? When I look at my past, I don't look at my mistakes. You know what I see? God's miracles because it's covered in the cross, and it's covered by Jesus. He wants to redeem your past. He wants to make you health, healthy and whole and use, he wants to use you for his purposes. And, um, and he wants you to trust you for, for, for your future as well. Um, do you guys know that the term safe and sound? Anybody? Nobody knows the term safe and sound. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> You've heard that, right? When like hikers go on a hike and they get lost and they get rescued by helicopters or something, and and the, the news says, "Oh, they're safe and sound," which means safe is they're protected, they're safe. There's no danger anymore. And the sound is is they're healthy, which means everything is working order. They didn't break anything, and they can they can live their life and they're safe and they're sound. So, I have a car. Um, I have a 1998 Forerunner Toyota. Come on. Toyota people, those things last forever, has more than 200,000 miles on it. It's still going. But guess what? For the last two months, my forerunner has been in my garage, right? And in my garage, my, my forerunner is safe. It's protected. No one is going to steal it. No one wants to steal it. It's too old. Um, it's, it's completely safe. But I'm going to tell you right now, my forerunner is not sound because it doesn't work. There's something broken in it. It's not healthy. And it's, it's, not, it's been in there for a while that the air and the tires are leaking out. So it's like it can't go. But um, so my wife was kind of tired of me borrowing her car. So she called her, uh, called her father and my father-in-law. And he, he went over there and miraculously fixed my car. And he, he talks to Peter. He's all, oh, your car fixed. The, the car worked. I'm all, what did you do? Oh, I just did this. It works. What? So guess what? Now my forerunner is safe and sound. Praise the Lord. Woohoo! And the reason why I'm telling you this is because Jesus has made you safe by the cross. Hasn't he? He has secured your salvation. You are forgiven. Believe it. You are forgiven. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to earn it. You are safe. You are, you are under God's protection. But for many of us, we are safe and we have salvation, but we're not sound, which means we're not healthy, which means there are broken things in our life. We're still being affected by our past mistakes. We're still beating ourselves up. We're either bearing it or blaming others, and we haven't dealt with it. Do you believe today that God wants you safe and sound, that he wants you protected and healthy? And here's the reason why he wants you healthy. 
because he wants to use you for his glory. He wants to redeem your paths for his purposes. Amen. I read a great quote from uh, this guy, Bob Goff. If you follow him, he's a great guy. Um, it says this, and I'm going to close with it. it. says, he said, uh, God doesn't break things so he can fix them. He fixes broken things so he can use them. God wants to use you. He wants to redeem your past mistakes and go, you know what? Raise your Ebenezer. I am the God of help. I'm here to help you. I'm here to redeem your past so that you can redeem others for me in Jesus' name. Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Lord, I thank you for everyone here, God. And I just, uh, Lord, I just thank you for this Christmas time. Lord, this, Lord, I thank you that we get to talk about this kind of stuff. It wasn't like a warm, fuzzy Christmas series. It was more about, man, coming face-to-face with a lot of the things, the issues of dealing with other people in our lives, forgiving them. But, man, more importantly today, that we would forgive ourselves, God. Lord, I thank you for, for you, Jesus, on the cross who died for me and gave your life for me and your blood washes me clean, that I am safe, that I am protected, that my salvation is secure. And I thank you for that. But Lord, more than that, you want us sound. You want us healthy. You want us to deal with our past the way you want us to deal with our past, that we would stop bearing it or beating ourselves up or blaming others, God. I just pray that that we would allow you, God, to work in our lives, Lord, because you are right. Your purposes and your plan is always better than my plan. Lord, I pray, Father God, that everyone here gets to do that this week, that we get to forgive ourselves, God, and believe that you have already forgiven us. I thank you in Jesus' name. With all eyes closed and head bowed, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here to declare themselves a born-again Christian, to tell Jesus, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me, and because of that, I'm forgiven of sin, and, and declare that you believe that he rose from the grave, like I talked about, that he is alive and well, that he is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords, and because of that, you get to rise with him, a new creation, the old is past. You didn't work for it. You, you just got to receive it. That's all you got to do. If you've never done that, or maybe this is a rededication, I want to lead you in a prayer to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior this morning. I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you to hitchhike off of my words and just say a prayer to Jesus himself. But can you do me a favor before we do that? Can you let me know that you're going to be praying with me? Can you simply, if you want to pray with me this morning to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, can you raise your hand right now? Does anybody want that? We got one. We got two on the side here. Anybody else? Yes. Anybody else want to give their lives over the Lord? Give it to Jesus, either a first time or a rededication. Anybody else? Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Pray this prayer with me. Just say it to Jesus himself. Jesus, I give you my life. And here's why. Because I believe you died for me on the cross. I believe you rose again from the grave three days later. And you're redeeming my sin and redeeming my past and using it for your glory. Lord, I thank you for that. And because of that, I surrender and give you my life. I surrender myself to your way, Lord Jesus. I want to get baptized. I want to declare that I am a follower of you to you and to to everyone who knows me. I want to know that I love you and that you are my Lord and Savior. 
I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' precious name. We all pray. Amen. Hey, let's give those people a hand. Yeah.